On August 20th, 1966, the bodies of Manuel Pereira de Cruz and Miguel Jose Viana were found on the Morro do Vintum in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. They were both dressed in impeccable suits, rain jackets, and most bizarrely, lead eye masks. In a notebook found at the scene were cryptic instructions. 4.30 p.m. Be at the determined place. 6.30 p.m. Swallow capsules. After effect, protect metals, wait for mask signal. No cause of death has ever been established. Did these men overdose on some strange hallucinogenic drug? Or is there a more otherworldly explanation? Hello, and welcome to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, or unknowable. I'm Justine. And I'm Gray. This week, we are talking about a weird, mysterious death, or a a set of weird, mysterious deaths known as the Lead Masks case from Brazil. Yeah, I think this is one of the more obscure cases, for sure. I had heard about this. So I found, first heard about this case way back when I was first like researching weird shit on the internet when I first discovered Wikipedia back in high school and <laughs> was just clicking through page after page after page. And this got suggested to me because I was looking at all these like weird, mysterious, unknowable topics. And I came upon this and I remember thinking like, oh man, that's freaking weird. And yeah. just enough to give you an idea of like what might have happened or to give you something to go off of to theorize on but like just esoteric and like vague enough to like leave a lot of mystery on the table oh yeah yeah i think i you may have suggested this for the topic list or if not i found it on once in a while i'll just go on like a wild reddit search of just you know there's a million threads on a million different subreddits about like what's your favorite unsolved mystery um and this may have been one I found kind of recently. And yeah, you already knew it. That was on a list that was like one of those threads. Somebody left a comment that was must have literally been like over a hundred different unsolved mysteries. And I just like I was like, holy right. shit, I hit the jackpot and looked through them. And I was really pleased because usually when I look through those threads, like a majority of the things are ones that I've heard of. So I'm just like, Ugh, okay. right. But whoever this guy was like... I have to think like 70 of these mysteries that he listed were ones that I had never even heard of. And I was like, that's kind of impressive. Cause I, I might not know all the details of every single thing I've heard of, but like, you know, the right. name of the case. Oh yeah. So yeah, I was psyched and I immediately looked into this one. Cause I was just like, what the hell could that possibly mean? It's um, a good one. So the quick summary, um, the lead masks case or in Portuguese, if you want to hear my, bad Portuguese. Uh, Caso das Mascaras de Chumbo. Wow. Yeah. That yeah, was... I'm sure, th- I'm sure that's really good. <laughs> perfect Portuguese. Perfect. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm one quarter Portuguese. So Are you? No. Just kidding. Oh. Not at all. <laughs> Not even a little. You're like, wait a I second. I totally bought that. <laughs> so, for listeners, Gray and I are actually half siblings. Yep. If you didn't know that. We have the same mother, different fathers. So, so it's very conceivable. Your bio father could have been half Portuguese, right? Yeah, half Portuguese. Is that how that would work? Yeah. So, Gray being confused that I might be part Portuguese is not totally insane. It's it's actually possible, right? Um, so yeah, series of events that led to the death of two Brazilian electronic technicians, uh, Manuel Pereira da Cruz and Miguel Jose Viana. Nice. Um, this was in the mid sixties. They were last seen by their families on August 17th, 1966 and their bodies were found on the 20th. So just a few days later and the official cause of their death has never been determined. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Not, not really just cause they just didn't do a, an autopsy. Right. I'm yeah, sure, I'm sure they could have figured it out with an autopsy. They, yeah, they probably could have. Yeah. And we will get to why, like, I feel like half the cases we talk about that involve somebody disappearing or dying there's some shitty police investigation involved which is probably why they all end up mysteries because if you did an autopsy yeah. you'd be like oh 
they died yeah. of this. And it was like super yeah. simple. Still like mysterious circumstances, but like, cool, we have a cause of death, but right. no. So we will get into what we know, which yes. is surprisingly little, but also surprisingly a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, on the afternoon of August 20th, 1966, a, so in some accounts that I read, it said a young boy. So I'm picturing like an eight year old. But in other right. accounts, it said it was actually an 18-year-old boy. So, you know, um, <laughs> I just thought it was going to be more tragic that, like, a young boy found their bodies, but it's actually an 18-year-old. Still sad, but... Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> he was flying a kite on uh, the Moro de Vintem, or Vintem Hill, in yep. Niteroi, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Um, apparently a wow. relatively wealthy suburb of the city. Um, and he found the bodies of two deceased males and reported them to the authorities. Um, nice. Some reports that I read, I don't know if this was the case for you, but like the first one that I read basically just said that he found the bodies, reported them. A couple others kind of made it seem like he f- saw the bodies, maybe didn't investigate and then like went back the next day or even two days later and like found them again. Like they were still there. Um, yeah, I heard that he like smelled them and that's how he found yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I mean I, the Brazilian heat, I'm sure that those bodies did not smell good. No. And one of the things I read made it seem cuz I was kind of like why would he have seen them and not done anything and then come back? But one of the things I read kind of cleared it up cuz it made it seem like he saw them laying there and thought maybe they were just asleep and then a day or two later smelled them and was like, "Oh, not asleep." Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, whoops. They had like those We'll talk about it, but they had like those masks on, so maybe he thought they were like sleep masks, right? Yeah, Possibly. turns out it's way weirder. Way um, so apparently, this hill has difficult terrain, um, so the police were unable to reach the bodies until the next day after he um, reported them to the authorities. So, um, I googled a little bit to see photos of the hill, partly for some like I know that a hill can refer to I don't know what the technical guidelines are but i know it can be quite large but like i'm always picturing like a pretty small just bare hill um yeah but i found a few photos it it is quite a big hill um and yeah not like a manicured hill they were kind of found in a little bit of greenery like kind of in the weeds a little bit yeah Um, you can find pictures of their bodies online yeah you can they are really shitty pictures but you can find some pretty Again, just very vague. You can see the police like kind of bent over their bodies. Um, they were next to each other, not touching, maybe like a few feet worth of space between them. Yeah, like amongst the weeds. Um, so yeah, when the police and the firefighters get there, they see this weird scene. These two dudes laying next to each other, partly covered by grass, both wearing formal suits yep. with waterproof coats, so like raincoats, um, and lead eye masks which we're going to talk about that in more depth. So let's just gloss over that for now, even though that's like the weirdest thing ever. More on that later. More on that later, but lead eye masks, hence the name of the case. Right. Um, Very bizarre. Super bizarre. No signs of trauma, no evidence of like a struggle. Um, They also found an empty water bottle next to them and a packet containing two wet towels. Um, Very strange. Very strange. And then they also found a small notebook. So there was a page in the notebook apparently that had like um, like a list of numbers, which some initially thought were like some cryptic code or something, but it turns out it was right. just part numbers for like electronic things. Because um, they were like electronic engineers or whatever in the town that they came from. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, they had a repair business or something like that. Um, yeah. One of the things I read said that like they had read somewhere that somebody had actually like looked into it. They had looked up some of those numbers and it did confirm that they were just part numbers. Um, so right. nothing unusual, very consistent with what these guys did, but one of the pages did have something cryptic. Yeah. Um, a weird little message that said, um, it was in Portuguese. I will not read that <laughs> to you in Portuguese. Nobody wants no. that. Uh, but the translation was kind of awkward and bumbling, at least, again, in some of the articles, said, uh, 1630, 4.30, be at the specified location. 1830, 6.30, ingest capsules. 
comma, after the effect, protect metals await signal mask. There's no um, other, like, punctuation in this. Very awkward grammar. Um, the one that you yeah. found was a little bit less bumbling than that. Yeah, so the one I got, it's 4.30 p.m., be at the determined place, 6.30 p.m., swallow capsules, after effect, protect metals, wait for mask signal. Mm. So Which is interesting. Very, yeah, a very weird thing, clearly related to what they were doing that day. Um, not guaranteed, of course, but seems likely. Um, oh, yeah. I can't some of the see sources said. Else. Well, right. Like, I mean, technically, yes, some people said we can't be sure that that was that day. It didn't have a date, it just had times. It lines up, I mean, right. roughly. I mean, their bodies were found. I think initially were found the next day after they died, but still that we don't really know for sure that it was for that day, but we're assuming that was instructions. They followed that afternoon um, that they died. And some of the sources I found said that authorities determined that the handwriting on the message belonged to neither of the men. So it was not something that they wrote down to like go and do. Somebody gave them these instructions, which is Hmm. interesting. Again, we will, kind of go into that later. It is. Um, hmm. So yeah, these two men were identified as Manuel Pereira de Cruz, 32, and Miguel Jose Viana, 34, two electronic technicians uh, from the town of Campos dos Goitacazes, uh, about 260 kilometers nice. or over a three-hour drive to the northeast of Rio. So not, yeah. I mean, not close. And, that, and that's like four hours in like with our current roads, I'm assuming back then that maybe like the on Google Maps, the route that doesn't use like highways and tolls is like almost six hours. So, Dang. I mean, I don't know how roads were back in the 1960s in Brazil, but right. it's plausible that they were worse and therefore it could have been like a whole day's journey just to get to Rio from their hometown. Hmm. Interesting. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. We'll talk a little bit about why they were supposedly in Rio to begin with um, in a little bit here. But yeah, not definitely not close. It's not like they were, you know, just 20 minutes away from home. They traveled, I mean, even a three or four hour drive is a decent chunk of time, oh, yeah. Um, let alone, yeah, if it was a whole day's journey. Um, so yeah, there was a police investigation. They The police reconstructed a plausible narrative of the men's last days. Um so, yeah, they, they were last seen on August 17th. On that day, it's believed that they left their town um, with a stated intent that they needed to purchase some materials for work. Um, so hmm. they supposedly they had enough money. So some of the accounts said they had enough money to purchase a used car. But I don't believe that they actually did because it seems as though they took a bus to uh, yeah, Niteroi. I think that's a way I had read that it was hard to... Um, like calculate the inflation from mm. then to now, so that, that I think that's just like a way of gauging how much money they had. I don't think it actually meant that they were trying to buy a car. I think it okay. was just like, you know, oh, like what does a used car cost? Like two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars. That's what I I think that that is why they mentioned a used car. But yeah, they took the bus. So yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure if maybe somewhere along the line they had told somebody that they were going to buy a car or what how that belief came to be, but. Um, yes, they had, you know, not a ton of money on them, but like a decent little chunk of money on them between the two. Right. Um, they arrived in Niteroi around 2.30 PM. Um, so they had a receipt on them for the waterproof coats. So they purchased those at a shop in Niteroi. Um, and it was a rainy day that day. So that wasn't really, it sounds weird that they were wearing raincoats, but apparently it was rainy. Right. Um, and one bottle of water from a local bar also had a receipt for that. Um, seems like maybe it was like a glass bottle or something. I guess on the receipt, they like they had the receipt because they were going to be able to bring the bottle back to the bar to get the deposit back. Right. Um, so, so they were anticipating they were... surviving this. Well, exactly. that. It's an interesting little piece that they wouldn't have kept that receipt if, you know, presumably if they didn't expect to go back to the bar. Um, which, yeah, this is definitely one of those cases where like every... <laughs> Just like this case reminds me a lot of the Summerton man. Yes, exactly. That's like, exactly what I was thinking. So yeah, so many weird little things. And every new thing you learn is like, wait, that 
throws a wrench in what I was previously thinking. Right. Or like this one little detail could mean everything to the case or it could mean literally nothing. Yeah. Like, ugh. yeah, it could have just been like mindless, take the receipt put in your pocket because why not? Or right. is it like I'm keeping this because I'm going to go back? How much was that deposit? I don't even know. Didn't right. even know the places ever did that. All confusing. Um, So the waitress from the bar, so it was handy because they were able to know where they had actually stopped for water. So they interviewed the waitress. Um, she described Miguel as, quote, very nervous. Uh, yep. Noticed that he was frequently checking his watch. Um, she said both of the men seemed agitated and very concerned about the time. Um, and then it was getting dark. It was starting to rain. So they hitched a ride up the hill with two unidentified men in a Jeep. Um, so that was the last time they were known to have been seen. And it's presumed right. that they went directly from the bar to the spot where they were discovered. And um, it would make sense if that note is correct and they had to take the capsules at 4.30 p.m. It mm -hmm. would make sense that they were like agitated, like especially if like, like the trip was taking longer than they wanted it to and they knew that they had to ingest the capsules at 4.30 and they still had to go all the way up the hill and yeah. it's raining and they're like already stressed. So they're like clearly in a time crunch. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely, I think that detail does reinforce to me that the the note, the instructions were meant to be followed that day. Um, right. Yeah, because yeah, if they arrived at 2.30, they had to do that at 4.30. They only had a couple hours to be like, shit, <laughs> gotta get these raincoats. Right. Gotta get up this hill. Like, yeah, they maybe they didn't know how to get up the hill. Maybe they did intend to buy a car and couldn't find one or couldn't afford it or something. Right. And so now they're like relying on other transportation to get there and they're just like, shit. Oh, yeah. What if they weren't anticipating buying the raincoats and that put them behind schedule? Because they like get right. there and they're like, shit, it's raining. We have to be on the top of this hill. We don't want to get our nice suits all wet. We had to yeah. buy these raincoats now and that like ate up some of their time. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just stressing. Um, yeah. No injuries were discovered at the scene. Uh, they did do an autopsy eventually, but the coroner's office was apparently very busy at the time. I'm not really sure why. Um, yeah. So when the autopsy was finally conducted, the internal organs of the two victims were apparently too badly decomposed. Um, so, and because there wasn't any foul play suspected that police weren't like pushing matters to get answers to this. So they weren't really able to do a search for any toxic sub substances or anything to even find out what those capsules were that they might've taken. Again, no evidence they took capsules really. Um, right. But besides the instructions. So, did they take something that killed them? We don't know because it was never investigated. I don't know. I so I still would have done an autopsy. This is like too right. weird of a case. Like I, just weird. for like pure. I mean, I guess it's like like the nineteen sixties, so like simpler times. But I don't know. Yeah, I would have done an autopsy. Right. You know, so many things I would have done differently. Yeah. Or yeah, done an because autopsy sooner before their insides were rotted. Yeah. I mean, I gotta think. I mean, I don't know. I really don't know why the coroner's office was so backed up. Don't know what was going on in mid-August 1966 in Rio. Apparently, there were a lot of autopsies to be done. I don't know. Weird. Yeah. Again, see, this is this episode's... There's always going to be <laughs> a disclaimer of me yep. not being an expert, and there's always going to be a cool thing I wish I had delved into. Like, yeah. can I find out why the coroner's office in Rio, or in this specific town in Rio would have been like so backed up then. I don't know. Right. Could I have found that out? I don't know. I don't know. We'll never know. Um, so to dive into these lead eye masks, this is like by far yeah. maybe the weirdest part of the whole case. For sure. Um, so yeah, I, in my notes, I said the eye masks seem to deserve a whole portion just for them because dot, 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 what the fuck? <laughs> um, so some of the most interesting information I found about these was from a podcast. I didn't listen to the episode, but I read the summary of the episode um, from the podcast Skeptoid by Brian Dunning. Mm. He had some good info. Um, yep. So his podcast is similar to ours. His goal is, uh, as he says, to, quote, reveal the true science behind popular misinformation and urban legends. So hmm. he does some similar topics, some stuff we don't really do. Um Things like consumer frauds, like magic jewelry, uh, urban legends, like the Philadelphia experiment, alternative nice. medicine schemes, like detoxification, and conspiracy theories, like chemtrails. So he's got 
And he's been doing this since, God, I think it was like 2006, maybe. Jeez. So he's been at it for a long time. There's like a bunch of rewards for the show. You should check it out. But <laughs> in his research, he found that um, English and Brazilian blogs were all describing, and like a lot of the articles that I read too, were just kind of describing the eye masks and writing them off in a way as like, just, you know, like what you'd use to protect against radiation. But like, no, no. I didn't even like nope. need to research that to know, like, nope, not at all. No. Um, it's literally just like thin sheets of lead in the shape of like sunglasses without stems. Exactly. So if you're protecting from radiation, yes, you're protecting literally like <laughs> your eyes and the bridge of your nose from radiation, but the whole rest of yeah. your face and body is wide open. Exactly. Like if that was really what they were aiming to protect against, they did a really shit job. Yeah. They just didn't, they just fundamentally did not understand radiation. No. And I, I'm not an expert on radiation. There's my disclaimer, but so I don't know how effective lead is. Like even if they had had like just a big human sized sheet of lead, would that be super protective? Maybe better than nothing. I don't know. I do. Um, lead is very effective. Lead is what they use. Like, for is. example, Marie Curie, who, like, discovered radiation, handled so much of it throughout her life that her bones are incredibly radioactive still to this day. That's so crazy. when she was buried, her um, casket is lined in lead so that you won't get radiation poisoning just from visiting her grave. Shit. So, lead That's is wild. very effective at guarding against radiation, but only if it covers <laughs> a substantial amount of your body. More than just your eyeballs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So typically, yeah, they'd have something at least covering the entire head or at the very least the entire face, like with just little slits for your eyes. Um, Right. Or again, if not like your entire body, but not just the eyes. So So basically like the inverse of the mask that they created where rather than just (laughs) your eyes being covered, it would be just your eyes were uncovered. Yeah, exactly. So... Clearly, that's not what they were going for. And it's odd that it was just written off in so many places. It's just like, yeah, just, you know, radiation glasses. No. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was, she mentioned too that, again, at least according to some sources, the bodies were scanned for radiation post-mortem and nothing like at all above normal levels was even detected. Right. So nothing like that really happened. Um, so Brian Dunning of Skeptoid found a secondary source. There was an article by a man named Charles Bowen writing yep. in Flying Saucer Review in 1967. Great um, name. Great, yes. The Talking about two reputable newspapers in Rio reporting that a resident claimed to see a round orange UFO going up and down above Vintem Hill on the night the men went up there. Um, yep. And this was apparently in several articles, it mentioned this person who saw the UFO being of, quote, high social status. Um We've talked about this many times before about, especially in this time frame in the sixties, um, really all anytime people are always going to value the opinion, especially on a topic like this of somebody that has this high social status more than anybody else. If, if there's just some rando saying they saw a UFO, people are way more likely to be like, okay, sure you did some like farmer out somewhere like the fucking, Kelly Hopkinsville, right. Hopkinsville goblins. Like people are like, yeah, some fucking like, sure, dude. <laughs> sure. You're out on your farm and you got attacked by aliens. Okay. But typically when it's somebody, you know, we've talked about like having people um, with military status, seeing UFOs, people right. just generally that are respected in the population, like even law enforcement, somebody who's seen as somebody people would look up to in general. If they are saying they saw a UFO, typically A, it's more likely to be believed by everybody, by the police they go to, by people reading the article, Um, but it's also more likely to encourage other people to come forward as well because now they have this person of higher social status to kind of attach onto to be like, oh yeah, shit, I saw that too, but I didn't want to come forward because you'd think that I was nuts. Right. Um, Hmm. So apparently, yeah, after she came forward and this was reported in the newspaper, several other people called in saying that they had also seen this, um, yeah, this orange round UFO, quote, with a band of fire around its edges. Hmm. So, and again, this was the night that the men went up to the hill. Um, Right. Presumably the night that they took the capsules and waited for the mask signal. Exactly. And protected the metals. 
and protected the middles and, and their eyeballs. So, um, but yeah, Brian Dunning also found that uh, this Charles Bowen wrote of an article he had translated from O Cruzeiro, a weekly tabloid magazine in Rio de Janeiro, um, that at the time apparently just reported on like celebrities and sports figures and whatever. Um, the reporter of the tabloid magazine claimed that Manuel and Miguel had, along with their friend Elcio Gomez, built some kind of device in Manuel's garden that had exploded about two months before their deaths. Yeah. So they were and doing the, some kind of experiments. They were apparently attempting to communicate with Mars, so we said. Yes. Yes. So this, whatever they were building was something um, to do with that desire. Uh, so that's a little interesting. Elcio uh, Gomez, the friend that helped them build the device, told the police during a second round of questioning that these men, him and those two dudes and a bunch of other, like for some reason, a bunch of electronic technicians were all yeah. part of this group that referred to themselves as quote, scientific spiritualists. Yes. Um, and yeah, that these three men in particular were interested in trying to contact Mars. So there's like a lot going on. Uh, here. Yeah, there's a lot. So I, I delved into the whole scientific spiritualism thing. Oh, cool. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's sort of like, so this time period, like in the 1960s, is like the tail end of like the spiritualism craze in the United States and just around the world where people were holding seances and communicating with spirits and like spirit photography and stuff. On the tail end of that and then on the sort of beginning end of really like understanding science on a fundamental level. And hmm. so it's this weird confluence where they're trying to like explain old-timey spiritualism using scientific means. Hmm. So creating scientific instruments that could explain paranormal spiritualist things. Um, and so I get the impression that these two dudes were probably would fix electronic stuff for like their job, but their hobby was trying to find stuff, which I assume would be stuff like, um, like those things that like ghost hunters use. Um, like oh yeah. The, uh, spec I think spectrometer is the word mm -hmm. and like things that like measure spikes in uh, electromagnetic radiation and stuff like that. I think this is sort of like the, the beginning of that. And so I assume that, that these dudes were, yeah, trying to, trying to communicate with Mars and it's it's unclear to me maybe it's like that whole thing we talked about in the Aleister Crowley episodes yes where it's sort of the the intersection of ghosts and like occult stuff mixed with UFOs and aliens mm -hmm. and so it's this weird mixture of like oh like we can communicate with like the spirits on Mars and it's this weird like ghosts plus aliens equals scientific spiritualism which That's at least what I cool. gleaned from the research. Yeah, it did give me Crowley vibes when I heard yes. specifically, like, yeah, the mix of the aliens with spirits. I was like, oh, shit. And then we're going to get into it a little bit, but with the potential addition even of uh, some drugs in there, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, very <laughs> Alistair Crowley vibes. <laughs> yeah, total, total Crowley vibes. So, um, yeah, this Charles Bowen had also found another article of a report that another man, also an electronic technician, had been found dead atop a different hill four years yeah. earlier with a similar lead mask. Um, again, cause of death unknown, but the coincidence is like too much to not be related. Oh yeah, oh my God, yeah. Um, and then on top of that, so just a couple months before their deaths, um, yeah, this was 1966, right? Yes. Uh, a couple months before their death, June 13th, 1966, there were numerous witnesses that reported an explosion on the beach in Espirito Santo, um, which is 700 kilometers northeast of Rio and like over 400 kilometers northeast of where these men lived. Uh, hmm. Apparently this explosion, quote, rocked buildings as far as 15 kilometers away. Jesus. And then police like talked to some local fishermen who also witnessed the event and reported that, quote, a flying saucer was seen to fall into the sea. Hmm. So, uh, that Elcio Gomez, the dude who like blew up that thing in the garden with them, he spoke of this event to investigators. He claimed that it followed an intentional meeting between members of this spiritualist group and a UFO. He claimed it visited with them for like five minutes, 
and then left with a blinding flash and a large explosion. So. That's wild. Yeah. And we'll yeah. also explain why they would have the lead masks if it, there was a blinding flash. Exactly. Unknown if were these two men that died at this thing on the beach. I don't know. Um, it seems like this LCO Gomez was. So maybe in, obviously they were like buddies in some way if they were making cool shit and exploding it. So right. maybe they were all there together. Yeah. Maybe they learned from this experience like, oh, damn, it's going to be really bright. We need to make some lead masks. I don't hmm. know. Um, apparently awesome. Miguel a few days before this beach instant in, uh, incidents had told his sister that he would soon be quote, carrying out an important mission that was secret mm. that she couldn't tell anybody about. So he definitely had like some kind of plans in place. There's something going on here. Oh yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there was a book found in Miguel's home workshop uh, where they also found items used to make the lead masks with passages about, quote, intense luminosity related to spirits highlighted in the book. Um, so, yeah, they seems like they were expecting or hoping to um, encounter such a thing and wanted to prepare. Again, maybe they were at the beach and saw for sure, yeah, that's a thing. Or maybe they weren't at the beach and they were just researching and, and preparing. Yeah. Um, maybe they heard like, about the incident at the beach from LCO. Yeah. And they're like, oh, shit, we could do that, too. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Like, let's call some aliens down. Um, and so, where the drugs tie in, so this Charles Bowen had also found that two weeks after their deaths, uh, the newspaper Folha de Sao Paulo published a statement by a self-described professor of yoga. I don't know what that is. Oh. But, <laughs> I mean, yoga teacher, professor of yoga, maybe this is just like a bad translation? Potentially. Professor sounds like more intense than yoga teacher, but... Really intense yoga teacher uh, claimed really that the local spiritualist community would often take psychedelic drugs. And in his opinion, Manuel and Miguel had died of an accidental overdose. So, of course, this is just like anecdotal <laughs> rando yoga teacher was like, I'm pretty sure they OD'd. I feel like a lot of psychedelic drugs, though, are really hard to overdose on. Well, that's exactly it's speculated that the most likely drug they would have taken would be LSD. And apparently it's, yeah, it's very rare that somebody ODs on LSD, at least taking it alone, like more likely it's combined with something else or right. you're also drinking alcohol and there's no evidence that they had anything besides, I mean, again, they may have had drugs they ingested, but there's no evidence of any alcohol. Um, and I, I don't think LSD is like toxic. Like, I don't think it would, like if you took a, like you think you have to take like a shit ton of LSD. I know yeah. LSD is measured in micrograms, so it's you take a tiny, tiny, tiny amount. Mm -hmm. But so if even if they took a quote unquote overdose of LSD, they would just trip for like two days, but they wouldn't yeah. die necessarily. Yeah, I was actually I because I read that sentence somewhere just about like it being rare to die from that, and I was like, is that a true thing? I don't. Another disclaimer: I'm not a LSD expert or any type of drug expert. I have right. have never done any drugs like that which me neither. may or may not surprise you. I don't know. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise you, but may or may not. I don't know what listeners right. think of me. Clearly doing drugs all the time, but all never done. done LSD would never do that too. It's my anxiety, man. I couldn't do Maybe that. Someday. Maybe someday. Maybe someday when like my kid's old enough that I can like trip on LSD and not worry about him. Exactly. Or, you know, yeah. When my brain chills out enough, like the idea of being on any type of drug that would like, alter my mind to the point where I might have some conscious feeling of wanting to like return to real life and not be able to just stresses me out so much. Yeah. You just got to write it out. <sighs> yeah. I'm not good <laughs> at writing things out. <laughs> I'm good at that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I read about it and it did say that LSD, like it seems funny in a way to think about, but it said like it's a relatively safe drug. Right. Just, yeah, it did seem, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, there must be different forms. It doesn't seem like a capsule is the most popular form of LSD. Not that it nope. wouldn't be possible to be in capsule form, but that's not typically how you would right. um, purchase LSD. It would be it. unusual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just More like, very well illustrated that you do not know. <laughs> You've not <laughs> <yeah>. done LSD. <laughs> like the LSD that I purchase is typically not in capsule form. <laughs> Well, and I mean, so again, I don't know about the drug roots of how LSD would end up in Brazil. I don't know if they would synthesize it there or if it would come from like 
a laboratory in the United States. But mm. usually it's on like blotter paper. And I imagine blotter paper would be so much easier to hide and or smuggle and mm. or just like carry around than capsules would. Yeah. So if you're going to do acid, you would just have a little piece of paper that you would put on your tongue and it dissolves in your tongue. Mm-hmm. Rather than having to have a capsule because that's like, you know, a liquid inside and it could like burst open. It'd be so much easier to just have a plastic baggie with blotter paper on it. So that right. makes me think it's probably, what if it's some weird herbal home remedy kind of deal that they like, it could have been some local herb that makes you trip. Yeah. And they like, made, who knows if they prepared it at home and put it in a capsule, maybe they prepared it incorrectly and they put too much in or they did the wrong plant or there could have been just some weird thing that they screwed up while making their like homemade hallucinogenic drugs. Right. Or it might not have even been anything that they prepared. If the instructions that they had were not in their handwriting, maybe somebody else gave them right. the instructions and the capsules. Like, here you go, take these at this time and this crazy shit's going to happen. And maybe the person meant well and yeah, maybe they just fucked it up or who knows right um but yeah we're like never gonna know if they even had capsules they took like what the hell was it it's like so disappointing that information is completely lost like we will never yeah never ever know um so yeah so that's all the initial theories that i found so pretty much all the articles i found had just that until i stumbled upon a website uh called anomalyinfo.com so i'm gonna read some stuff directly from that site so, before I do that, I want to see what is the deal with this website. Okay. So, the introduction introduction on this website is, yeah, introduction to anomalies. It's, like, just an entire website about weirdo shit. And right. it looks like the author is a guy named Garth Haslam, who says he has a degree in anthropology at San Francisco State University specializes in folklore and religious studies with 30 over 30 years of experience in the field of researching anomalies, mysteries, curiosities, and legends. <laughs> um, so I found okay. this website. Yeah. There's an entire, <laughs> entire section on the lead mask mystery with some pretty sick pictures of the lead masks. Actually, they look like <laughs> they definitely do. They look like sunglasses without the stems, but right. like, really square like blockish sunglasses like very baller like Uh, like chunky (laughs) 80s like cool guy sunglasses yes exactly exactly they are perfect um so let's see i read through a bunch of info on here that i kind of already had and then yeah it talks about the ufo sighting and then it talks about there's some info about like the police kind of getting back into the case in August 1967. At least the police supposedly said some confusing things to a couple newspapers. Um, right. But I don't really want to get into it because there's really nothing to like complete, completely substantiate it. Not that there's really much to substantiate most of this, but it seemed like right. it wasn't clear if it was like the police were actually back to investigating and there weren't really a whole lot of good details. Like it was kind of like, oh, we're looking back into this. Oh, we might be arresting these people, but there wasn't anything determinate. Right. Um, Because it was like, he even mentions like where the newspapers just trying to get sales by adding new false details to a previously popular story. So it's very possible. Um, But then there is some info about there being these different articles from the British magazine Flying Saucer Review uh, published in 1967, 68, and 71. Um, And so... Let's see. Hmm. This is like odd for me to do. Oh, wait. No, (laughs) here we go. In 1990, this guy, Jacques Vallée, a well-known author and spokesman on the topic of UFOs, uh, released... Yeah? You know him? Yeah, I think he might have been... Was that Mothman? Or was that Skinwalker? Oh, I don't know. It does say he uh, released his eighth book on the subject, which don't think this is like his the subject of ufos in general not of this case jesus there cannot be eight books on this case um entitled confrontations a scientist's search for alien contact 
So he started off this book talking about this particular case, um, saying that he investigated investigated it personally in April 1980. So apparently Jacques and his wife flew to Brazil and visited the hill. Um, It said, along with his wife, Valet climbed the hill with a local French teacher who volunteered to translate, a journalist, a photographer, and a detective who handled unsolved cases. And then... It says he was also accompanied by, quote, the first adult who had seen the bodies that day, that August day in 1966. Um, hmm. But apparently Jacques Vallée never tells us this dude's name. So who knows? Interesting. Uh, Vallée wrote that uh, his unnamed tour guide led him to a spot on the hill where the ground was almost bare, even though it was surrounded by tall leafy bushes. In fact, in fact, Vallée mentions the spot was bare of vegetation twice, implying that this was significant. Um. As Valet told the story, the bodies had first been found by an 18-year-old, quote, boy, who was searching, and this is, he quoted it, not me, but I would also quote it, um, who was searching for his kite with his friends. They alerted the unnamed man who was serving as Valet's guide because he lived nearby, so he knew the area. Um, This unnamed man, who again, supposedly was like the first person besides this boy to see the bodies, stated that the bodies did not stink, which is interesting, because that was like mentioned in several other articles that like the boy partly found these bodies because they were smelling bad. Um, and that predators and vultures had not touched them. Hmm. Um, yeah. And then this guy also mentioned that the skin of the two bodies when found were pink and showed signs of possible burns, which is Interesting. interesting. Um, so that's kind of, but again, like this was just, and apparently this dude, says that on top of the lead masks and the notes found lying by the bodies, there were other things that had not been mentioned, like a crushed piece of aluminized blue and white paper, hmm. uh, some cellophane soaked in a chemical substance, and a handkerchief with the initials AMS. But, yeah, these things aren't mentioned in the book again. Um, so just weird. Like, why was this stuff never mentioned before? Um, he kind of goes into, like, Valet talks about that uh, Alicio Gomez guy or Alicio Gomez as testifying that they had like been making bombs and even like the incident at the beach was a bomb. But then like he also still mentioned these fishermen saw a flying saucer crash into the sea. So it's just like a bunch of confusing details Hmm. that may or may not be true. So I don't even know. Right. But I thought the, the burns to me were specifically interesting because I guess we haven't done too, too many episodes really on UFO sightings, but that is definitely though usually in conjunction with radiation, but that can definitely be a popular thing with people who supposedly see UFOs as having some type of burns on their skin. Um, So that kind of made me be like, "Hmm, maybe, maybe there's something there. Interesting. Yeah. So that's pretty much all the, the details that we have. So then it just comes down to, theories what the fuck (laughs) happened what the fuck happened well (laughs) i mean so my theory is that they were part of this group of scientific spiritualists Mm. and they were trying to contact people from mars or maybe they thought they were from mars they you know this group um you know the guy who had died on the hill the, the other hill, like, months or years beforehand, mm-hmm. um, and the people on the beach, they were part of a group of people who were um, in contact with these types of people or with these extraterrestrials. And they were trying to describe them in language that they knew, so calling them, like, spirits and putting it, couching it in the terms of spiritualism rather than, like, ufology, ufology. Um, mm-hmm. And so they wanted to contact these people, so um, one member of this group who had contacted them wrote these instructions for them, like, yo, if you take these, like, pills and you go up on this hill at 6.30, right at the two-hour mark after you eat these pills, then you're going to be, like, you're going to see these, you're going to contact these spirits or whatever from Mars. Um, But you got to wear lead masks because then when they leave, it's going to, like, burn your eyeballs out. Um, And then when they're up there, maybe maybe they did um, die from an OD on some weird hallucinogenic chemical or a improperly mixed drug. Or maybe 
it's kind of reminded me of like um, Heaven's Gate in a way. Yes. How yeah. Heaven's Gate, they like killed themselves in order to uh, hitchhike with this comet that was passing Earth to like go to, I don't even know the details of it, but they were basically trying to like release their souls from their body, which would then be picked up by this passing spacecraft that mm-hmm. would go to wherever. So what if they were up there and what if the pills did that? What if the pills were like calculated to kill them and stop their heart in two hours right as this UFO goes by and it like picks up their soul? Or maybe maybe the pills were just sort of like a some kind of like way to soften their... Uh, they're <laughs> trying to think of like the right word for it, soften their consciousness in such a way that mm. when the UFO came, it was able to like extract their soul from their body and yep. actually just like took them or took their their essence, their spirit, their soul into the craft and then flew away with it. Shit. So wow. maybe they succeeded in their goal. Great. Or maybe they fucked up and took an OD. Yeah. You know? That's, Yeah. I wish, I really wish everybody listening could like, the one joy that I have in this podcast, well, one of the many, is being able to like see Gray physically go through describing a theory, (laughs) which is amazing because Gray's like very, like, I don't even know. Yeah, just very physical. You can see he's like always like rubbing his forehead and like just you can tell he's like really thinking about it. Like it's not at all like he just wrote down this theory and he's just reading. He's like going through it in his brain right now. Oh yeah, like, it's fresh. It's yeah, because well, I I go into these every time we record. I go into it with kind of an idea, but mm. through our conversation and things that you bring up and like just us bouncing stuff off each other, I I gain more insight into the case while we're discussing it. Mm-hmm. So by the end of the episode, I like have a fresh perspective on it, having discussed things with you. Yeah, which is kind of the best part. People. A few times, like here and there, probably like once every couple of weeks, I get somebody mentioning like it'd be super cool if you guys showed a behind the scenes video of how you guys edit episodes together. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> we don't edit episodes together. There's no editing. There is nothing. Like, this is why you occasionally hear my dog in the background or my son or just we like one of us sneezes or something. It's because we don't piece things together. We aren't like recording a part and then stopping and recording a different part like gathering notes it's kind of that's why we come up with like we've realized things we didn't research well enough or we forgot to look at how to pronounce something because we don't i mean otherwise we would just stop and be like oh let's let's research this right now and maybe we'd be a better podcast for it i don't know but it's like it's very cinema verite exactly like we started this podcast very much literally just came up with it one i don't even remember like how it happened exactly we were just having a conversation about probably about Mothman, but probably about some weird thing that probably led us to like several more weird things. And then somehow the discussion came up of like, we should do a podcast that's just this. Yes. It's just like us talking about weird shit. And that's all and it is. Here we are. And here we are. And here you are with us over 40 episodes later. Whoa. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So, yeah. So obviously even like the thing about this too is that like the cause of death isn't even fully known. So right. I think the coroner like eventually just settled on like cardiac arrest or cardiac failure as right. the cause of death. We don't know why. Um well, I mean really every, technically cardiac arrest is like the cause of all death is your heart stops beating. Well, right. Yeah, that's just like a catch all for just like we don't fucking know. They yeah. again, they knew there wasn't it did not seem at all like this was a murder in the sense of like they obviously were not stabbed or shot right. they weren't attacked there was no violence at the scene um but yeah it seemed odd that like there were some articles and podcasts and stuff that were like there's no clues how they died and it's like well chances are it probably was whatever they ingested really we just don't know right. what it was and we have no idea without being able to talk to these guys if they did it on purpose or if that was an accidental overdose or poisoning or whatever um so yeah the one of the theories of course is the (laughs) yoga professor saying that these scientific spiritualists would take these drugs um again believed to like enhance their telepathic abilities we'll say Hmm. so like i said it was speculated it was lsd it's not very common to od on lsd so it's probably something else it was i bet it was dmt (laughs) yeah because DMT 
has been shown. It's like they did some study and people who take DMT have like what could be classified as a religious experience and mm-hmm. or they meet they meet they meet a being and Ooh. however they individually identify whether you're they're a Christian or uh, like Buddhist or whatever, you meet the deity that you believe in. Or if you're an atheist or an agnostic, you meet some sort of like, like it's like some external force outside of yourself that you meet that shows you some insight into the nature of reality and the nature of the universe while you're on DMT. It it stimulates this very specific part of your brain that is responsible that like people who are, you know, religious, like this part of your brain is like very well accessed already. (laughs) But DMT sort of like activates that region of your brain that makes you see and believe in deities so i bet whatever this thing was was dmt and so they would you know you'd be on the top of this hill and you know since it's scientific spiritualism they're kind of synthesizing like some science so they know like oh like this this chemical dmt has to be synthesized has to be like extracted but then the sort of like spiritualist side of it is like this chemical opens the gateway in your brain to allow you to communicate with these what they called spirits from Mars, but what we would call aliens from wherever. Right. That's my bet. That's crazy. I am I'm now Googling DMT. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> Joe Joe Rogan's a big fan of DMT. Is he really? Oh, do no. do with that information what you will. That's terrible. That is terrible. Yeah, there's some books, like, there's one called DMT, The Spirit Molecule. Yeah, that's a big one. I think think that's a documentary, isn't it? Um, Actually, I don't know. It might be. Maybe it's a a book and, yeah, there's, like, the psychedelic experience. Yeah, Yeah, it definitely seems like. (laughs) One of the people also ask section says, can you have a bad trip on DMT? Probably. Yeah, probably. be shocked if you couldn't. Hmm. That's another thing that, like, I feel like I would never do any type of drug that, like, I would trip on is that you just don't know what kind of trip you're going to have. And, yeah, I don't know. I feel Seven, like I, I was honestly a little bit scarred. So <laughs> this is a really embarrassing story, actually. <laughs> when <laughs> I was younger, I had a best friend named Kayla and her and her dad were, like, the reason why I got into Beavis Butthead. Her dad was, like, the quintessential cool dad. I, like, coolest dude ever. Um, And he would let us watch all kinds of weird shit and play all kinds of weird video games. Like, it was at their house that I first watched the movie Hellraiser, which... Oh, Jesus. I think we've talked about before, too, that just that... I don't think there's any age-appropriate time to watch Hellraiser. It is, like... No. I'm still too young to watch Hellraiser. (laughs) Yeah. Like... Definitely, yeah. So the fact that I was watching Hellraiser when I, like, I was probably in, like, not even seventh grade. It was definitely before that. It must have been, like, fifth grade I was watching Hellraiser. So cool dad, but maybe, I don't know. Is my son going to watch Hellraiser when he's 10? Maybe. We'll see. But, (laughs) so we used to watch Beavis and Butthead, and at some point they came out with that Beavis and Butthead movie, and we went and saw it in theaters. And I don't even know if this is completely accurate because, again, I was, like, pretty young. But I remember, I think there's a scene when they're, like, they're out in the desert. I can't remember if they were tripping or what the hell was going on. But I remember it was, like, this whole sequence of the movie, which, again, is, like, just a cartoon. It's, like, not a big deal. But I remember being really fucking freaked out by the scene because (laughs) I just remember there was all this weird shit happening and, like, just what I remember is just there being, like, these crazy demon looking things swirling around and like just this like hard rock music. And I just remember being like, Oh fuck. Like just having this very clear moment of like, I'm too young for this. That sounds about me out. Yeah. And so for me, that's always what I've pictured tripping being like, is just that you're just confronted with like a bunch of shit. Maybe in a similar way, you know, when you're in a movie theater, yeah. especially as a kid, you feel very like surrounded by what you're seeing. Like you are just in that theater in the dark you can't escape it. Like you're not going to get up and leave and it's just happening and it's like loud and overwhelming and like all your senses are engaged. And yeah, I think it was in that moment that I was like, no, <laughs> yep, not happening. That one never again. I mean, never that again. sounds about right. Like I'm again, I have also never done hard hallucinogenic drugs, but um, 
Yeah, that whole idea of like not being able to get off the ride. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah. Does does kind of freak me out. And I think that just that knowledge of it freaking me out means that I shouldn't because I would, you know, like your brain will immediately go to the, like will eventually go to the place of panic. And if you already mm-hmm. know what that place of panic is, your brain is just going to know just to snap right to that. And it won't be fun. No. No, it won't be fun. So I definitely can't imagine driving hours from my home and going up on a hill and taking hallucinogenic drugs and just... But they. it seems like maybe they had some good good intentions in a way. Like they weren't... You know, they were thinking something cool was going to happen. So, yeah, like we said, it's possible that they were at this June event, this beach UFO visit... um, like we said, did they learn from this experience that there would be like this really bright light? So they made their masks for either the subsequent visit or maybe they, like you said, they weren't at the event and they just heard about it from their friend. Um, was it other members of the group gave them instructions for their like hilltop trip? Um, yeah. Were they unfamiliar with the drugs in the capsules? Did they take too much? Was there maybe some foul? I mean, I don't suspect any foul play really, but could it have been poison and they didn't know it? Um, right. And, like, just brings up all the questions of, like, why were they wearing the suits? You know, some people interpreted that as they were expecting to meet someone. That, of course, in most people's minds is as simple as, like, they were going to go meet some other humans. Were they dressing nicely to meet some spirits? Um, right. That That's another weird thing is why were they dressed up, like, to the nines, you know? Right. Like, and again, hard to know without knowing them, but it seems like that was potentially an odd thing if... I mean, not to stereotype, but, like, if they were these just electronic repairmen, like, I one would have to assume they didn't typically go into work wearing suits. This wasn't, like, their normal daily attire. Right. Um, right. And then, like, you know, the the going out on a limb theory, as you kind of touched on, too, is that they were successfully visited by some kind of craft. Um, yep. The witness who saw the UFO was correct. There was a UFO that visited that hill that night. That seems like an odd coincidence considering this woman potentially didn't even know that these men had died. It wasn't like she connected these two events. Right. And so were they, yeah, were they taken spiritually on board or like to another realm entirely and just their corporeal selves were left behind? Um, and yeah, like you said, like were they taking part in some form of suicide in a way like this group had this belief that they had to, they had to leave their physical bodies behind in order to like ascend to this other realm. Um, Right. Which still like they, I don't know. I guess it's like, it's that cartoon idea of if your spirit was lifted out of your body, are you wearing the same clothes and spirit form? Like, did they want to look nice for when their spirits were taken? Like they were like, we're going to wear these suits. Um, And then, like, why bother with the raincoats? Why have the towels to, like, dry themselves off? If they, why keep the receipt for the bar if they weren't intending on ever coming back? Like, why'd they care if they got wet? If they were just going to be taking pills and dying? I don't know. Yeah, it's very strange. I didn't think about that. And so the the plastic bag with the wet towels in it, Mm. I took that to mean that they were, like, in my brain, I pictured like small hand towels, or like almost like moist, like moist towelettes. You know what I mean? Like right. a plastic bag with wet towels so that they could like wipe something off. Mm. But I guess it, it yeah. would make sense that they had towels with them to like dry off. Right. No, it's very Which, strange. Again, yeah, you don't know. Is it was that hmm. intentional? Was just a byproduct of it raining that day? If it hadn't been raining that day, would there have been no raincoats and no wet towels? Right. Right. And there was only one article that I read that mentioned specifically that it was a rainy day. I don't know for sure. I mean, I'm sure I could technically find out, was it raining in this small town in Brazil in 1966 on August, whatever day it was, maybe. But there was one thing that mentioned it. So, because definitely when you read those details normally, just even just the raincoat itself, like, seems odd. Like, why were these dudes wearing raincoats over their nice suits? Um, Right. But yeah, it just seems odd if their intention was to go and take this drug and like ascend out of their bodies and peace out. Why did the hell did they care that they were going to be wet? Was it just, you know, that's such a part of your daily routine that you're like, Oh, it's raining, get a raincoat. Didn't really think much about it. Like clearly they were 
like we said, they were like stressed and agitated about getting there on time. So, you know, this does seem like it was like a specific, somehow these people had known that this UFO was going to come at a certain time and they had to like be there in time for it, which makes even less sense than if they knew that they were the ideal situation was they were going to be taken aboard this ship in spirit form. Why even trip right. themselves up by getting the raincoat to start with? Right. And potentially making themselves late because they seem stressed about the time. Yeah. Like, seems like an unnecessary step. If if that's your goal, and worst case scenario, you miss you miss the UFO and then you're wet. Like, who cares? You got bigger right. Right. concerns at that point. You're like, damn it, I missed it. So, like, why take the time to do it? Oh, it's so confusing. It is so, so confusing. Bad. I'm... We will never know. It is never know. unknowable. It truly... Most of the articles I read, like, a lot of them didn't even theorize. They were just like, fucked if I know. Just like, <laughs> this is still unsolved. It's like, shit, man. Like, usually there's some good theories happening, but this one was basically just like, I don't know, they OD'd or pff, who knows. So, yeah. I don't really know where I stand on this. Me neither. It's, it's not like, even confusing in a satisfying way. No. I just feel like it's like we can never... Like, the fact that that autopsy wasn't done in time and we don't even know if they, like, how they died necessarily mm. really handicaps... If like And, like, we couldn't, we couldn't see, like, their stomach contents. We couldn't see if they ingested any weird drugs or if there's any strange, like, chemicals in their in their system. I just feel like it's... Unless... Like, I just feel like if, if there was some instructions or something or some kind of, like, text that was left behind that instructed people to make, you know, thin lead eye masks to guard against whatever, you know, we could at least have be like, oh, so this is what they were, this was their intention. But hmm. unless that source is just lost to history or it's only in Portuguese and since we don't read Portuguese, we can't have access to it. I just feel like, you're right, it is... Unsatis there's no satisfying answer to it. No. Again, similar to the Summerton man. There's just no Yeah. No way. But I guess I would like to think if yeah, if we're gonna go with like a more I mean, obviously if you want to be like a total killjoy, you could say that these dudes believed in these UFO spirits or whatever and went up there thinking they were gonna ascend and essentially just committed suicide. Um Right. Then that's kind of a sad thing. But I would like to think that they took something that really opened their mind to this experience and the UFO came by yep. and they were like, yo dudes, you're right on time and grabbed up their souls and now they're chilling somewhere. I don't even know. Wherever the fuck. I, yeah, I like can't, yeah, my brain like can't process so that. Yeah, right? Like they're having a good time. I they're hope bros. they succeeded. Yeah, hope they succeeded in yeah. whatever they were going for. And they're like chilling in spirit realm with, I don't even know, <clears throat> aliens, spirits. Maybe they're with Aleister Crowley somewhere. Oh, Who man. knows? That would probably That'd be, be cool. exciting and terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be a little scary. At least like whatever drugs he could offer them in that realm, they like can't get too hurt by. Whew, yeah, right. They're just like, okay, God. sure. Let's do it. But yeah, I really don't know. I like, I can only imagine if I feel this frustrated by this case, like I can't even imagine what like their family felt. Like, can you even imagine? Oh, I know. I don't even know. Like finding out that me and Nate were found dead, like in the woods on a hill in fancy clothes <laughs> with like a water bottle and some wet towels and raincoats and these weird lead masks that we made. And then you found out we had been like chilling with these spiritualists. And yep. maybe had hoped to make UFO contact, and you're just like, did they? What the hell happened? Yeah, did I they can't succeed? imagine. Yeah, I don't yeah. Even know. So, yeah, that's basically the lead masks case. It's a good one. It's a foundational one. I feel like it is. It's got a lot of components of uh, some weird, some other cases, kind of all coming together. So, um, definitely, if you listen to this. Find us on social media. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. And let us know what you think. Let us know, was this the first time you heard about this? Did you know about this case? Have you done any digging yourself? Um, right. 
I have to give a special shout out. So I posted a picture. It's just the two dudes pictures. Um, presumably like from the newspaper article and asked if anybody knew what we were going to be talking about in this episode. And I have to give a shout out to one of our biggest fans, maybe our biggest fan, uh, Scotto. Yeah. Scotto. (laughs) His comment was so pure. And he, he basically just said like, I have no idea, but I can't wait. (laughs) And I was like, that is so nice because he, thank you, Scotto. Thank you, Scotto. He has listened to, as far as I know, to every episode we've ever put out. Um, I believe he found us. He didn't find us right at the beginning. So at some point he was like binging us to catch up, um, which is still fucking wild that anybody does that. Um, Like, and we've been just, you know, at this point having over 40 episodes, like we've heard that multiple times and like every single time it like trips me out. I'm just like, what? Somebody spent several days just listening nonstop to us. That's like our voices. Yeah, to our voices. It's crazy. With like our, you know, 80% well-researched topics and somebody was like, yes. <laughs> I don't even, but Scotto is always there. Every post, he's like got something to say, but that was like such a Scotto comment. Like just so purely just yep. like no clue, but I can't wait to hear it. I'm like, dude, yes. Can't wait. That is, yeah, we love that guy. <sighs> so. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out. Yeah. So. Scotto, anybody else, if you listen to this, put these details together, let us know what you think happened. Um, and yeah, just, you know, chat with us. Let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about, any cases you love, any return to previous topics you want us to do, like any updates. Um, yeah. We still have one plan. We're still planning on returning to Mothman. We're going to do like oh, a yeah. Mothman Chicago episode. Um, yeah. Possibly pretty soon here. So keep an eye out for that but otherwise yeah let us know what you think and this is the lead masks case unknowable unknowable love you <laughs>